0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You
1: from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly and I'm Kristen. Kristen, we have decided to title this podcast "Condoms, Condoms, Condoms." Perhaps the most clever episode title in the Mom Stuff catalog. Clever or lazy? Uh, yes. Uh, but you know that's what we're going to talk about. It really does sum up what what I think this episode is going to cover. Yeah, because we're going to touch we're going to touch on a lot of different
0: aspects of condoms, and uh, we we didn't know how else to sum it up except
1: for condoms, <laughs> condoms, condoms. <laughs> So let's start off with uh, the thing that kind of sparked my interest in this podcast, uh, particularly at this time of the year, is the World Cup is going on. Yes, the World Cup happening in South Africa.
0: And one thing that you might have noticed if you've been following World Cup news online at all is that a lot of the coverage either deals with who has beaten
1: whom on Obviously. the field. Yeah. Yep, Or... Condoms. I know. Those are the two main trends emerging from this World Cup in South Africa, uh, especially in the lead up to the games in which they were talking about, you know, how can we or public health officials were like, how can we bring uh, attention to the to the AIDS epidemic that is raging in South Africa.
0: Right. I didn't realize that South Africa has the world's highest incident of HIV and AIDS with 5.7 million out of its nearly 50 million residents afflicted, which is roughly 12% of the population. And in some regions, one in five adults is HIV positive. So, kind of the public health goal with the, uh, the month long world cup is to distribute one billion condoms throughout South, South Africa and different countries have donated condoms. For instance, the UK has sent over 42 million condoms. Um, and even the president, Jacob Zuma has gotten involved. With this by, uh, by getting tested for HIV earlier this spring and publicly disclosing, you know, his negative status to try to, um, you know, remo- remove the stigma from getting, from getting tested because not only do they need to distribute more condoms, they need to have more people getting tested,
1: um, and more people treated. So with the eyes of the world on South Africa for this month, that was sort of the impetus for, you know, making this big condom push, they're trying to get a lot of soccer stars involved with pushing for testing, pushing for using a condom. Some people are criticizing the effort a little bit, though, because of the immense number of prostitutes that are descending on South Africa. Uh, in case the soccer games aren't enough entertainment for you, I guess you could you'd use a po- prostitute. But, you know, then people are saying, is this just going to encourage prostitution? Uh, is it only helping the tourists and not helping the South Africans? Because what they were hoping is that when South Africa had all this, you know, attention on them, they would be the ones who'd be learning more about safe sex. Right. Uh, because
0: South Africa's Central Drug Authority estimated that about 40,000 prostitutes were expected to arrive. And these aren't even prostitutes who are already in South Africa. These are actually prostitutes coming in specifically. For the World Cup, Molly, like you mentioned, and, um, and we, we found a a blog post on the F word by Amy Clare, and she made a good point that while, you know, it's, it's a good thing that the South American, South African, I should say, (laughs) government is trying to distribute one billion condoms, and we have the male soccer players out here, you know, preaching the, the gospel of safe sex, but at the same time, it's ignoring the fact that, Women in South Africa are actually far more likely to contract HIV, um, not just because it's easier for a woman to contract it, but also because of the higher incidence of, um, you know, forced for sex. And if we're talking about prostitution and sex trafficking going on as well, there's, you know, the, it's, a, it's a more complex social issue than just getting men to, to wrap
1: it up. Right, and since rape is such a big problem in South Africa, there has been one interesting condom story coming out with all this World Cup stuff, and that is uh, the distribution or the potential distribution of the Rape Axe condom. This is a condom that was developed by Dr. Sonette Ellers in 2007, and she's been kind of fine-tuning it, and she wanted to distribute uh, 30,000 of them. Essentially, a woman puts uh, this condom, it's it's kind of shaped like a tampon, into her vagina, and then if she's raped these um like claws clench onto the man's penis and stops the rape in progress. Mm-hmm. Although this has been again obviously as you might imagine somewhat criticized because is it just teaching women to expect to be raped? Is this really the most effective form of you know stopping rape and if a woman is being attacked by multiple men won't this just cause more violence for her in the long run? It's very controversial but you know it's a problem the rape is a problem in South Africa so like we said, there's just a whole host of condom stories from the mild mannered, by which I would count the uh, the story that after South Korea won, uh, they just condom sales skyrocketed. And the stories have really ranged from these, you know, very violent stories about rape acts condoms to the even more mild mannered stories, such as the one that came out about skyrocketing condom sales when South Korea uh, beat Greece.
0: Yeah, apparently fans bought five times more condoms uh, when South Korea beat the Euro 2004 champions, Greece, than uh, during their lackluster 2006 World Cup performance.
1: Well, they also bought a lot of fried chicken, according to the paper. So, you know, condoms and fried chicken. I mean that's that's a way to celebrate. That is a way to celebrate. I can't, I can't diss on that. But uh but going back though to really the the
0: crux of the whole South Africa World Cup condom story if you will. It all relates back to to AIDS and tackling this issue of controlling HIV and, and controlling AIDS and bringing those numbers down. And if you look at the history of condom use um condoms really became I guess far more widely used and more popular in the eighties when the threat of AIDS really came to the forefront. But if we go far back in time, a few centuries, it was another STD that actually brought condoms to, uh, into more prominent use. And that was syphilis. syphilis. Yeah. Syphilis w- came from the new world in, uh, the Western Hemisphere, to Europe and Asia during the late 15th and early 16th centuries.
1: Now, at the time, syphilis had no cure, and it was causing problems like dementia, sores, and death. So obviously people were like, we've got to got to get control on the syphilis problem. And they finally figured out that it was the sex that was causing it. And that's when the condom first became a tool for disease prevention. Uh, in 1546, Gabriele Fallopio, the same fellow who discovered the fallopian tubes, penned the oldest known written description of the condom to recommend it as a syphilis preventive. Though we have other other fellows at the time saying that it's just a, a sign of immorality. It's, it's basically the same argument that's going on today. If you give out a condom, does it encourage promiscuity or is it protective? And that debate was going on as early as 1546.
0: Right, but the actual existence of... You know, condom like prophylactics goes back way beyond fallopio. Uh, and in fact, the oldest known image of a sheathed penis is found in cave paintings dating as far back as 15,000 BC. So even, even the cave folk were,
1: were practicing safe sex. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing is they're not sure, um, they were sheathing their penis specifically for some sort of sexual protection, mm-hmm. whether it was just, ornamental, if it was some form of costume, uh, they do have all these pictures dating back, as you said, to, you know, just centuries and centuries ago. But they're not sure exactly when people figured out exactly what the condom could do in terms of protecting against uh pregnancy and other diseases.
0: Right. Because it hasn't been that long in medical history that we've really understood how we go from intercourse
1: to having a baby. Small baby. It's not a stork. What? it's not a stork? It's
0: not a stork, Molly. You heard it here and now on the podcast, but I do like this little tidbit in uh, ancient Japan, some men used thin, rigid sheaths called Kabutogata, which were made from horns during intercourse, and that just sounds painful. Yeah. I don't really I can't really work out of my head how exactly that worked, but I'm
1: sure it's on the internet somewhere. yeah, maybe we should Google it probably image. not kabuto probably gata. In not safe for work image, yeah. Um, but you know, they do know, despite the fact not knowing exactly when people figured out that, you know, they were protecting against a sperm being an egg, we do know that condoms were widespread in Europe by the time of, let's say, Shakespeare.
0: Yes. The first documented condoms were actually hand sewn pieces of linen that fit over either the entire penis, over the tip, or into the urethra. And they would be held together with a, with a little drawstring like ribbon. That's my favorite fun fact about ancient condoms. Drawstrings?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that
0: they would tie their condoms up with ribbons. And uh and then by the mid 1700s people started using condoms made from animal membranes that were again still tied with men uh still tied with ribbons and condom makers oftentimes were also glove makers which explains why you know
1: they were able to make such fine fitting condoms. I wonder if they were the first ones who came w- up with no glove no love. Probably not just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> Uh But you know what? It was kind of an intense process we were reading about. And we should mention that right now we're using an article that is on our website, HowStuffWorks.com, written by Tracy V. Wilson. And uh, we're sort of just going through it because it's got so many condom fun facts, like in this one, that making, uh, you know, they were using animal guts. Making guts into condoms require cleaning, scraping, exposure to burning sulfur, inflating, drying, molding, cutting, and sewing. Yeah. Quite, I mean, it was quite, uh, an expensive product to make, which is why, and it was also, you know, not the best product because they're still fine tuning their technique and, uh, And they were often full of holes. <laughs> <You> right? <laughs> <should> and, <laughs> and, uh, people reuse them, which, you know, is sort of a big no-no in, in the condom world.
0: Yeah. But then once we have the discovery of the vulcanization of rubber in 1839 and we have the, the arrival of rubber on the scene, uh, men started getting these custom-fit condoms, reusable rubber condoms from their doctor, which were considerably thicker and rougher than condoms used today. And some of them would actually just cover the the tip of the penis. Um, but they were often, like you said, with those uh, those old kind of the the glove makers' condoms. No glove, no love. Um, they were reusable and wash and wear. But because of the use of oil-based lubricants, it often broke down the rubber because, as you can imagine, they needed assistance with the actual intercourse mechanics, you know, considering the, uh, the roughness and thickness <laughs> of these rubber condoms.
1: So that was 1839. Let's, sit, let's skip ahead to 1919. When we've got old Frederick Killian to thank for using uh latex instead of rubber. Frederick Killian, the father of the latex condom. I would love it if that was on my gravestone. <laughs> I mean, my name's not Frederick Killian. Everything but that part. Molly Edmonds, the father of the <laughs> latex condom. I'll remember it's, that. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. It seems like it'd be fun.
0: So yeah, we have uh we've got the thinner, cheaper latex condoms that also have a longer shelf life. And fun fact, the expiration period today for latex condoms, Molly, can you do you know? Uh ten years. Five years. Oh, crap. <laughs> Throw away all those <laughs> old ten year condoms you got, Molly. Um right. but uh even today we still have developments in the condom materials which include polymers like polyisoprene and polyurethane. But doctors still recommend you go on the old latex route unless you have some kind of latex allergy. And of course you can also always use the quote unquote sheepskin condoms that are actually made from intestinal linings. Um not, not sheepskin. Not actual sheepskin.
1: Uh but you know By and large, it seems that in the world, we're using latex condoms. They make up more than 99% of condom sales worldwide. Now, the average condom,
0: I was interested in this. I was kind of curious about this, Molly. The average condom is 6.29 inches long and 2 inches wide. And what I did not know, Molly, is that many nations actually set standards that govern those exact dimensions and materials. Governments take condoms very seriously. And I also didn't realize that, and now, and it, and it makes sense once I read it, many nations actually classify condoms as drugs because of their role in preventing diseases. So that's the reason why you'll see condom ads and packaging um, carrying specific language or warnings in the same way that you know, what, like Advil or Tylenol might.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know what, Kristen, let's take a step back. Let's look at condoms before they get into the store, before they've got all that packaging and specific language. I want to go back to when you've just got some rubber from a tree, some, some un, you know, just a vat of latex. What, what do wanna, you do with it? You want to find out where condoms come from, Molly? I do. I'm, I, you're blowing my mind with where babies come from, so I might as well cover where the condoms do. Well, get ready, Molly. It's a stork. It's a condom stork. (laughs) The condom stork brings the condom? Yes. No, it doesn't. They're made in factories, as all of our smart listeners know. So just like in the early days, we've got latex that comes from tapping rubber trees in Brazil, Southeast Asia, or West Africa. Now, it's mixed up with some other things like antifungal and antibacterial compounds, uh, zinc oxide, which will accelerate the vulcanization process. Uh, stabilizers, anticoagulants, preservatives, maybe some pigments if, if you're just going crazy with things. But when you add all these things, that's what makes it, uh, not natural. You know, if you're using like a intestine, then, you know, it, it breaks down, but you adding all those essentially preservatives, it makes the shelf life of the condom longer, but it also means that you shouldn't flush it down the toilet because it cannot break down on its own.
0: Right. These are not, condoms are not biodegradable. So, like your tampons, keep your condoms out of the toilet.
1: Uh, and some people have said, you know, we need to figure out how to make sex greener. We need to figure out how to make, you know, safe sex not something that hurts the environment. But that's, that's a topic for another day and time. But to continue on the condom's journey from VAT of latex to the, to the store, uh, they've got these things called formers, and they're all suspended from a conveyor belt. And uh, essentially, it's like a glass or ceramic mold that comes down, is dipped into the vat of latex, and it kind of turns around so it gets coated evenly, and it comes back up. And I, I kind of compare this in my head, Kristen, to like when you go to Dairy Queen and you're getting a dipped cone. Yes. You know how you just kind of have to dip it real fast into the chocolate and come back out so it'll dry all mm-hmm. evenly? Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I picture this part of the process going in in a factory. It's like a bunch of ice cream cones just dipping down, getting the covering. And, uh, they do a few, a few dips so that they've got enough, uh, enough thickness right there. And, uh, then they'll put them in an oven and dry them. Yeah. And so once we have basically the, you know, the condom
0: prototype, um, they will, have lubricants applied to them. It's usually the last step before the condoms go into their foil wrappers and they're actually sandwiched between the two layers of laminated foil so as to keep out air and ultraviolet light or else the condoms will deteriorate. And because, you know, even though they're not naturally biodegradable, they will degrade after a period of time and that's why condoms have expiration dates that you should pay attention to unless For you five want 5 years. Yes, so 5 years unless you want breaking, slipping, leaking. Or more terrible things happening. Um, and you also, you know, you want to be careful when you're opening up a condom package shoe in the heat of passion. Don't just, just tear it open with your teeth or your hands. You might rip the condom, you know, take a, it's all right. Things just take your time. Open the <laughs> condom. Be delicate. Up. But one thing that men, especially you need to stop doing is carrying your condoms around in your wallet. Yeah. It'll lead to degrade. Yeah, because they're heat sensitive and so, you know, if it's hanging out in your wallet, your wallet's in your back pocket, there's extra heat there. It's just it's not you know, keep them keep them tucked away in a drawer in a in a cool dark place. (laughs) For maximum quality assurance. But speaking of quality assurance, only one thing we haven't said is quality testing. Because I don't know about you, but I've heard those horror stories about condoms. You know, you put them under a microscope and they're just full of holes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is, it's just a, condoms are a hoax. Um, But they actually go through some pretty rigorous testing.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be pretty fun to be a a condom tester if I can't be the father of the latex condom like Frederick Killian. Uh, they do a lot of uh strength testing to to test how far it can stretch, how far it can inflate. They fill them with water to see if any any it springs any leaks. Yeah, and unfortunately they don't have water bloom fights after that. But instead they will visually inspect for leaks as well as rub them on uh absorbent paper so that if it's just such a minuscule link, but when they see that drop of water on the paper, they'll know this batch is a no-go. So now
0: that we've gotten, we've got the condoms in the packages, you know, we've gone to the drugstore, we picked up
1: the pack of insert brand name here, Mm -hmm. condom. Well, no, wait, let me stop you there, Kristen, because I do know that a lot of people get really nervous about going to the drugstore to get the condoms. Do you think between the two of us, we have any tips on how to make that a less stressful experience?
0: Well, first of all, you want to drive about 10 miles out of town (laughs) and, uh, have a large pair of sunglasses on. No, you know, it's just like, it's like ripping off a band-aid. You You just just go in there
1: and you buy, and you buy some condoms if you need to. Right. And, you know, you can always do that method you'll see on talk shows and movies where you've got like some gum, a magazine. (laughs) And, and d- it's and like, oh, and by condoms. the way, There's some condoms. Yeah, you know, and I, and I also recommend
0: looking the drugstore clerk directly in the eye as they're bringing out the condoms because they're expecting you to be weird and nervous. Yeah. But then you, you can just actually make them uncomfortable if you just look them straight in the eye. And saying, I think that's yes. always. Yes. I'm about to go home and practice incredibly safe sex, but I'm not going, I'm only going to use these one at a time because Molly, as we learned in the article, how condoms work, double bagging is not a good idea. It can actually lead to
1: additional ripping and tearing. Right. You're going to use them one at a time and you're going to use them only once. Yes. So that may be why you're buying a box of 50. Like just go ahead and look him in the eye and be like, be like sending him a subliminal message of, yes, I know how condoms work. I know why I'm using them to prevent STDs and pregnancy. Yeah. So what you got to say about it, Mr. Convenience Store Man?
0: Yeah, I'm just buying some Capotes, <laughs> which is my favorite nickname for condoms.
1: Some French letters. Mm-hmm. Some Jimmy hats. Some Jimmy hats. Some raincoats. We went through a lot of uh, old slang words for condoms and get for this podcast. Okay, so you've gotten over buying the condoms. Oh, one more tip. If you if you're really just freaked out about it, use cash some people get weirded out that like a debit card or credit card people uh, will always know who bought what mm-hmm. I and mean, I don't think it matters but that's just another way if you're nervous about it to get over it. It can never be traced back to you. All right you're home from the drugstore. You're in the heat of heat of the moment. It's time for the condom. Take us through that take us through that moment Kristen.
0: <laughs> oh man, I thought you were gonna do this Molly. Now some of you might be thinking right now, my God, why are Molly and Kristen taking us back to condoms 101 with how to put on a condom? It's because a lot of people, men and women, don't actually understand how to properly use a condom. And as we'll talk about in just a minute, um, that can make a huge difference in whether or not uh, a lady's going to get preggers from having condom sex. OK, so the first thing you want to do is make sure the sucker is right side up. Alright, the tip should stick up from the center of the condom and if it's un- upside down, it won't unroll correctly and then if it doesn't unroll correctly, then someone's gonna get panicky and then the whole thing's just gonna fall to pieces.
1: And you know, people do get kind of panicky about putting on a condom and it's important just to do it, you know, early on in the process. If it freaks you out, then just buy a box of condoms and practice, you know? Just be ready for before you are with your special lady. Or if you're a woman, you know, before you get with the guy, know like what you should be looking for in terms of how he puts it on.
0: And then you're going to want to squeeze the end of the condom so that there's no air in the little, the little reservoir at the end, at the tip of it. And then place it on the tip of the erect penis. Now, speaking of erect penises, remember, people, that we should do this before there is any sexual contact if you really want to prevent STD transmission.
1: Yeah, not halfway through. Now, it's it's kind of hard to do to describe like the unrolling process without a visual. But, you know, if you uh, go to our website, HowStuffWorks.com, there's a, a, a graphic <laughs> of it, which is kind of weird for our site because we don't normally have graphics of things like that. We're a family website. But, you know, sometimes you want to control your family planning. And that means every now and then you got to throw a penis graphic up there. Yeah. All right. So many condoms come with lubricant. But if you need additional lubricant, it's important to use one that is water-based because anything that is oil-based will break down the condom. And then once you're finished, hold the rim of the condom to keep it from slipping off, withdraw the penis, remove the condom, throw it in the trash. Yeah,
0: remember, don't toss it in the toilet. Don't want to clog up those uh, clog up those pipes. You don't want
1: your landlord knowing what you've been up to. Ruh-roh. So,
0: yeah, it, it is very important that, as basic as it sounds, you understand how to wear a condom properly because check this out. A woman who is having sexual intercourse with a man over the time period of a year has a 3% chance of becoming pregnant if the couple is using a condom correctly with every act of sexual intercourse. Now with typical use, because typically we don't use condoms correctly. The risk of an unplanned pregnancy is twelve percent. We're into double digits, Molly.
1: No, but see, I th- I don't think we want to scare people too much because I could see some people being like, well, if I'm already gonna get pregnant with perfect use, why use a condom? Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm gonna throw out this number, which is using nothing at all. You have an eighty-five percent chance of becoming pregnant, having sex every year. So don't don't let the three percent thing get in your head and psych you out. It's important to use a condom every time uh you have sex and it you know it's 3% much better odds than 85%
0: and there's also something that we should mention that you know condoms can't protect you against everything for instance some STIs including genital warts genital herpes and pubic lice are present in and on an infected person's skin or hair in areas that aren't covered by condoms. And these kind of conditions can be transmitted even with the perfect condom use. So again, that's why it's important to not only practice safe sex in terms of u- using condoms, but also being tested, knowing your partner, and all of those glorious things. But not to be, not to be totally negative on this, because I'm not trying to come down on condoms, Molly. I just, you know, we need to know, we need to arm ourselves with all of the facts. But on the upside, According to the World Health Organization, condoms do protect against 30, more than 30, actually, different types of bacteria, viruses, and parasites. And that, babies. And, and babies, um, including things like chlamydia and gonorrhea, hepatitis B, old syphilis that got us interested in condoms in the first place. So condoms, are I, we cannot stress enough how valuable they are, yet, you know, we... So you just gotta, you gotta be smart. You gotta play it safe.
1: Now, Kristen, you are worried about the STDs and STIs that live on the skin. Perhaps you'd be more interested in a female condom.
0: Yes, the female condom,
1: which was introduced
0: to us in 1992, 1993, actually, uh, as the name implies, is inserted into the vagina and actually covers the, uh, the, the labia and protects that kind of skin, not just, um, you know, the uh, blocks the uh, the cervix from from sperm implantation.
1: So now it's more, um, again, this is something you can see in the article. You can see a graphic of the two next to each other. Basically, the female condom is a lot wider. And so some men say that it doesn't cut off sensation the way that male condoms do. But they're not as in wide use as male condoms because uh, they're more expensive. Uh, they don't have as good a rate as preventing pregnancy and STIs still safer than unprotected sex, and it's kind of hard for for newbies to get the hang of putting it in correctly. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's an option, especially if you're worried about all those scary things Kristen told you about, things living on your skin, but it has become as widespread as they had originally hoped.
0: So whether you prefer to call them capotes or raincoats or Jimmy hats, filthy slippers, French letters, by whatever name and by whatever um you know, exact type, female condoms, male condoms, dental dams, etc. Molly and I would just like to urge all of you to, out there to practice safe sex. Very true. Yes. So if you have any questions or comments about condoms and condom usage, you know where to direct your inquiries. MomStuff
1: at HowStuffWorks.com. And let's uh, end things off with some emails from people who have written us at that address. First up off, I go in from Amanda, who wrote about the men and women friends issue. She writes, while listening to your podcast on if men and women can be friends, one of the cited comments was that a great type of male friend was a black belt. I wanted to point out, as a girl who will be getting her black belt in just a few weeks, that I feel just as capable of defending my friends both verbally and <laughs> verbally. Sorry, Amanda did not write that. Both verbally and physically, as a male martial artist can. The stereotype of males being more able to defend females than other females is rather absurd. Although I'm aware that males do tend to have more upper body strength, I feel this point is not stressed in society.
0: All right, well, I've got one here on the same episode. This is from Leah, and she said, While you did touch upon the gay issue, I feel that something major was overlooked. Namely, on this issue is the huge oversight to lump gay men and lesbians into the same category. Lesbians are hit with a double whammy of homophobia and sexism, and the same does not hold true for gay men. As a gay woman, my potential relationships with straight men have been compromised by sexual undertones in a way that is never the case with gay men. Uh, you know, the whole lesbians, cool, can I watch... Furthermore, the gay male, straight woman, friendship, media frenzy that you discussed is strictly a gay male phenomenon and not something most lesbians can relate to. If anything, the media portrays lesbians in the lesbian slash straight male dynamic is stuck up or even man-hating. Don't get me wrong. I totally appreciate this podcast. I just wanted to point out that when it comes to this topic, the gender friendship complications faced by gay men and lesbians are not one and the same. So thank you for pointing that out, Leah. And again, our email is momstuffathowstuffworks.com. Com. Head on over to Facebook and make us your friends. Like us, please. We are at Stuff Mom Never Told You there, and then on Twitter, we are Mom Stuff Podcast. Sorry for all the names you have to keep up with; it's just the way the internet works sometimes. And then finally, if you would like to see what Molly and I are up to during the week, you can head over to our blog, and it's at HowStuffWorks.com.